0: Welcome to the Good Treason Podcast. On this episode, we talk about Robin's first night out and first kill. And we spend some time on the psychology of it all. This is Scott Meyer for Springline Media, and this two part episode of Good Treason First Night, First Kill. So what's up man? You had a you had you were, you were in a rough moment last week or?
1: No, I was just yeah, I was just arguing with uh with an ex business partner and mm. I, yeah, having a huge argument it was just like yeah. Gotcha. Little bit little bit weird and I thought like okay, maybe it's best not to not to have the podcast then when you have difficulties as well. And then it was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Perfect timing. Better perfect not perfect to, timing for not doing it. <laughs> it's, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good.
0: It, it was good timing for both of us to not do it. Um,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how <clears throat> how important it is to catch when you're in that mood where everything seems to everything lands on the shitty side of the needle. You, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm always I'm always trying to be really conscious of that because I feel like it's the difference maker every day like
1: yes definitely
0: you know what I'm saying is that something that you saw in the harder times even like when you're living outside you're like okay this is fully shitty but you know at least I all my limbs are working (laughs) you know like what's your mantra (laughs) to keep what's your mantra to keep you going
1: my mantra that's keeping me going is um well, it's 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 kind of funny. It's like embrace the suck.
0: <laughs> embrace the suck.
1: Embrace the suck because there's nothing else you can do. So just embrace it. It's there. Um, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, like this you makes not, me stronger. You change it anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. But it was just it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Embrace the suck.
0: <laughs> That's the old military <clears throat> line. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. Yep. Right on. I mean, it, it, it helps. It helps and it works. So why not use it? Yeah. I was, you're... Always trying, I was always trying to find some things that I can be grateful for, even though everything around is shit. Mm-hmm. Not everything is shit. Yeah. Right? So even when you're living in the, in the woods and um, your stuff gets stolen, you still can be grateful that not all of your stuff got stolen because that would be even worse. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That it's an interesting game how that works. I mean, have you ever felt like you've gotten to the the end of that? You know what I mean? Like the end of the rope, so no. to speak, of the game where you say, Well, at least I have this.
1: No, never.
0: No. There's never. always more well,
1: once, actually. Actually once, actually once. Once I thought, okay, fuck all this shit. I'm done. Um I don't want any more. This is like the worst shit ever. I don't know. It was like it was like A weak moment, so to speak. But Mm -hmm. at the the same time, looking back now, realizing that I didn't give give up, Mm -hmm. even though I really, really wanted to give up, um, is a moment of strength. Because I know now, okay, whatever happens, I can endure it Mm -hmm. even more than I knew it before. Because, of course, in the war, you have different kinds of situations. You have different, I mean, you have life-threatening situations even more. But in a different context, because you put your life on the line for something. Mm-hmm. And here it's like, it, I don't, I didn't put my life on the line for anything, like just, just to survive. Mm-hmm. And that's not a greater cause basically. So what so, was the moment
0: yeah. that, that almost ran out your
1: rope? Oh, I think I didn't have money for, for a month. I was living in the, in the woods, didn't, didn't have money to buy food, had to buy, I had to go through people's trash. Uh, through restaurant trash in the night to get food, mm, yeah, I was looking like shit, and it just didn't 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 feel good anymore. Yeah, and I was like, well, what 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 more is there? Why why am I actually doing this? I started to ask myself the wrong questions. I started to ask myself why am I still doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, in 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 a very bad in a very bad bad kind of voice in my head, and it was like, well. I don't know why (laughs) there was no answer yeah and that was a moment when i thought okay nobody's giving a shit anyway so yeah since nobody else is giving a shit why should i give a shit now and yeah that was that was a pretty rough moment but yeah
0: that harsh self-talk is
1: yes yes the
0: hardest thing to overcome issue
1: yes exactly that took me a few days a few weeks i think even Actually, to actually realize, like, dude, you have all the tools you need. <laughs> you are the one usually teaching others how to do this, how to have positive self-talk and stuff. So, get your shit together. <laughs> you, need, you need to be the guy who's strong. You know, you need to be the role model. Mm-hmm. So, get your shit together, and let's 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 start a new life somehow. And it was hard. It was hard. I had to do lots of let's call it exercises where I put myself back together again. Mm-hmm. And like change the negative self-talk to some positive and yeah, that was pretty big. I
0: mean it was so interesting because, you know, listening back to like the recordings that we did at that time. Yeah. And you're like, Yeah, you know, it's pretty rough, but like your <laughs> your external voice is still like, I'm maintaining yes. <laughs> yeah. you know, like
1: Yes. That's part of the whole that's part of the whole thing, acting as if. Mm-hmm. You know? When you this is this is something comes from neuroscience, it's like when you act as if Something were true, mm-hmm. your whole neurology is is basically um, aligning with that. Mm-hmm. So if you if you act like you're feeling great, uh, you're gonna start to feel good. I mean, your situation is not gonna change necessarily, but you at least don't feel like shit all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the same when you're depressed and you you stand in front of a mirror and you smile for like for like five minutes and look at yourself smiling. You're gonna start to feel better mm-hmm. no matter what because your body and your mind has gonna have a connection. So. Yeah. yeah
0: that, uh, it's like that uh there was a really really uh popular TED talk that went around where this woman talked about standing in power positions and just putting your body yes. in the position of power helps change your yes. whole
1: mindset starting exactly. with the physiological. Physiology, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, physiology definitely impacts the mind. The mindset, the way you think, the way you feel, definitely. And the other way around as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's where like yoga and stuff like that comes is you, it puts your body in poses. I mean, people come out of yoga and they're like, dude, I feel high. <laughs> like, like, like they've just yes. taken some, you know, positive uh, medication and they're like, wow, life just seems so much more doable now after yeah, right? stretching the body into poses that, you know, were
1: designed over a long time. I'm a believer in yoga. I mean, I yeah, same pretty- here. Same here. Definitely. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty good. And the same goes for breathing exercises. I mean, yoga has has tons of breathing exercises. Yeah, and it's all connected—the way you breathe, the way you, t- you the way you talk, uh, outside and inside. Um, yeah, definitely. So there's uh, there's lots of things to improve. And I, I mean, my background is actually—I have a military background, but I also have a psychology a psychology background. Mm-hmm. And I was in coaching for for a long time, actually, in coaching and therapy. And I did coaching and therapy with people not I was my I wasn't therapy myself no um and there it's 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 the same you try to get changes in people through those kinds of techniques mm-hmm. you have to you have to you have to educate them and have to tell them like look there's a connection between your body and your mind yeah and yeah
0: so what's like your routine so now like you're out of the woods literally
1: <laughs> <laughs> literally out of the woods
0: we've talked about this a couple times there are a couple recordings but I still think it's interesting your journey into like back into some sort of a routine, you know? Yeah. Um, And being out, I mean, I guess you kind of always had some sort of a routine through the whole thing, but now that you're starting this business and you're engaged to be married and you've taken all these (laughs) steps, like what's, you know, are you exercising every day? What's your day-to-day right now?
1: All right, so usually I have like some kind of morning routine, I I think basically almost everybody has something like this, even though they're not aware of it. But I'm pretty aware of my morning routine for now. Mm-hmm. For example, um, usually I wake up and the first thing I do is I drink some, some water because the body needs water.
0: Do you wake up naturally or are you an alarm person? And
1: what time? It, 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 it depends. Like, for example, last night, I just couldn't sleep. I was, mm-hmm. I was awake. It was, it was like I, I finished, you know, now Rick and Morty, yeah
0: the new season's coming out it's out the yeah, new yeah, season's out so I was, I was
1: like I was like downloading the first two episodes and I watched the first and um it was like 1 in the one 30 maybe when I finished and my girlfriend was asleep already she she she, she fell asleep uh, during the first episode which is a major crime uh, and I'm gonna have to punish <laughs> her for that definitely but so she was asleep and I was still awake and I thought nah I don't want to watch the second one now what am I gonna do So I started working and I was working until five in the morning Mm. and just, just, just collecting stuff, just, uh, writing stuff down. And yeah, so five in the morning, obviously you cannot really have a great sleep anymore. So Mm -hmm. I slept until, until 2 PM basically, um, have some kind of, of sleep. Right. And I just couldn't sleep before I tried. It didn't work. And I was just in work mode, and this happens quite a lot actually in the night that I go to. I get creative when it becomes like 11 p.m.
0: Yeah, I have that same thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah,
0: it's because I feel like I feel like there's for me anyway that the same thing happens to me, and I, I'm always trying to yeah. figure out how to work around it because it's rather inconvenient. Yeah. to start getting creative at 11 p.m. and then 3:30 in the morning rolls around, and you've got raccoon eyes. And you're, and you're like, yeah. I just need to finish this thought. <laughs> <laughs> it was an hour, half later. You're like, okay, I finally, I got it down. I got it down. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm yeah. like all the way in bed. now I send myself emails with the final stuff that comes up. I'm like, okay, you can do this tomorrow. Like, here are the bullet points. And uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, like, I watch educational videos basically every day. I have mm-hmm. tons of video courses around coaching, training, uh, therapy, and stuff. So right now I'm watching uh, a video series from one of my trainers. Mm -hmm. and when I do that then the problem is my mind won't stop yeah so I I imagine myself being in those kind of situations where where I need those those tools and where I can apply those techniques and it doesn't stop like I'm in the bed and I repeat those situations over and over and over again by myself like my mind is just doing that my mind is practicing which is great which is amazing but Mm -hmm. I mean yeah Dude, come on. Give, give, me, give me a break. <laughs> brain, give me a break.
0: I forget where I've heard that in several places, but uh, the ex- I forget where the origin is from. People talk about how thought purports itself as so important all the time and that yes. it really it's like an addiction and it can be yes. super nocive in that like yeah. just just the thinking and allowing your brain to cycle and cycle and cycle. Is this sort of lost leader yeah. that is actually, in the long term, not healthy and not productive? Um, yeah, true.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's true.
0: And so it's trying, but then there's such a fine line too because discipline and schedule are. It's like medicine; like it starts yes. to make you feel better over time. In my experience, because when you have that set schedule, the world becomes easier and more manageable.
1: Yes, definitely. But
0: creativity comes rushing in and it's like you need to stay up till four in the morning to finish this idea yeah and in my experience it's really hard to shoehorn that creative inspiration into a schedule and it oftentimes just doesn't work and so then it's like this this balance of recovery from the creative you know uh, (laughs) whatever chaos cycle the creative binge to like the to the schedule thing and it's this ping-pong back and forth and it's easy to lose Sort of the strand on either side. Like, how do you deal? I don't know. I'm, I'm always struggling with that.
1: Same here. Same here. Definitely. I try to go to bed at 12. So at noon, I try to go to bed. Uh, in, the, in, in the night, I try to go to bed midnight, at 12. Midnight, not noon. Me. Yeah. And midnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, midnight. Sorry. I was confused. Okay. With those two. It's like the same with, with AM and PM. Mm-hmm. Those two make no sense at all. Like 12 AM, 12 PM, they make no sense at all. Like, who the hell invented this? <laughs> what, you don't think in an
0: antimeridium
1: and post-meridian? Dude, like, this this confuses the hell out of me. 12, 12 p.m. is noon, and 12 a.m. is midnight. Yeah. But what the hell? Yeah. Like, like, it makes no sense. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> usually I try to go to sleep by midnight, mm-hmm. right? So I can wake up at 8. I had 8 hours of sleep. I like sleep. Uh, I think having 7 to 8 hours of sleep is pretty healthy and pretty important, so... I'm not like Tony Robbins sleeping three hours a night. Um, I like my sleep and I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of successful people agree with that, that sleep is pretty important. Oh, yeah. And so I try to wake up at eight and then I just go through my through my morning routine, like writing down the goals for the day, reviewing my my, my, my goal for the next year, basically, and for the next 10 days. And yeah, then just see what I have to do to, to reach the goal in the next 10 days, which is going to lead me to the goal in the next next year.
0: Interesting. So you're always keeping a goal. Yes. Like how do you set your goal and where do you keep it so that you're constantly focused on it?
1: I have it in a PDF. I have a pretty nice uh, PDF planner Mm -hmm. for exactly that, for goal planning. And yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, You have 10-day sprints where you can can basically put down a goal, a mini-goal is in the end going to bring you to the goal that you have in hundred days or in 300 days or whatever. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty nice that way because you have like these little sprints where you don't have to chase the whole goal because that's huge. But you have like these, these 10 day sprints, for example, okay. In the next 10 days, I'm going to finish two articles and I'm going to get two new clients and then I have to see, okay, what do I have to do in order to achieve that? How do I Mm -hmm. have to structure my day instead of saying, okay, um, in the end of 2020, I want to have a very successful coaching business with this amount of, uh, this amount of clients uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and this amount of income. That's much higher and much harder to achieve because it seems so much bigger in the mind. Yeah. So to find, to find steps towards that is much harder than to find steps to the mini goals that are going to lead you up to that point.
0: That's cool. And what happens in a, in a 10 day sprint if you only get one client or you get no clients, how do you deal with the the failure part of it?
1: Oh, that's fine. I mean, I just figure out why. Yeah. I just look, okay, what happened? Uh, why didn't I achieve it? Is it my, is it my, in, 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 uh, in quotes fault? Is it my, was it my responsibility? Did I do everything? And here comes the, comes the important part that I think saved my life in numerous days. And that is Mm self-compassion. Like, to have self-compassion is basically to have the same kindness, the same understanding you would have for a good friend, but just for yourself.
0: That's interesting.
1: There's where self-compassion comes in, because self-compassion means to focus on your energy, on your effort that you put into something. And when you can honestly say, hey, yes, I did put a lot of energy and effort in, and I still didn't achieve it, then okay, no problem. I just have to find the road that is going to lead me to, to the goal. Maybe I was not educated enough on LinkedIn, or I was not. I need some new resources, or whatever. It's no problem. It's just going to be the goal for the next the next ten days as well. And I will try new things. I will think about okay, what else can I try in order to achieve that. That's cool. That's my that's my strategy.
0: I mean, because I feel like it's too easy. It's so easy to fall into that like self-flagellation. Yeah, you know, because also, like, I find in a weird way, even though the process isn't always super enjoyable, but to rebel against mm, yeah. my goals <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is to take a minute to just rebel and be like, you know what? I'm going to break my rules today, but that's yes. okay. And I'm going to be nice to myself. And then when I wake up, I'm like, it becomes way more easier to stay in the lines again, you know?
1: Yes, that's true. That's true. That's also part of, of self-compassion. Treat yeah. yourself good. Yeah. And sometimes treat yourself good means take a day off from work. Or yeah. take half a day off from work, just just relax for a bit, uh, because you earned it. Maybe that's interesting. No, definitely, yeah. That's what I. That's, that's the point I'm at right now, and I like it. It's great. Uh, it's much better <laughs> than living in the woods. With uh, well, I had I had a, I had a routine in the woods as well. It was like waking up and, and trying to get food. <laughs> yeah, and trying trying to get kind of a shower uh, on a small river with soap that was pretty disgusting uh that i found somewhere and yeah
0: just like bar soap or what
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man river bar soap sounds pretty gnarly river bar soap but hey it's yeah. better than no soap
1: exactly it's better than no soap and it's better than looking like shit because <laughs> yeah that's that's something even that's something again from the, from the military i can't let that go like you cannot look like shit never you have to shave. You have to. You have to look at. You look good at least, even if you're not in a good place. But you have to look good. Yeah.
0: We're such interesting animals. Yeah,
1: because it's it's again. It 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 feeds into your into your neurology. It fits into how you feel when you when you dress up like a businessman. You're going to feel more more business. If you dress like a million bucks, you're going to feel like a million bucks, which means like you will attract more of that. Mm, and we even have a part in the brain. That is especially that, that is responsible for that, and that part filters your reality. And when you change things, like for example, dress up really nice, mm-hmm. um, like uh, like like I said, I have like this business now, and so I invested some money in clothes, in really nice clothes, and I feel much better when I wear those clothes. I mean, obviously, yeah, wearing a suit, pretty nice compared to wearing shit clothes in the woods. or wearing 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 a shitty uniform uh, versus wearing a nice made uniform like Mm -hmm. when you take care about your uniform that reflects on the inside
0: yeah it's such simple stuff too man right
1: it makes you more disciplined this is the whole reason make your bed
0: it's so simple, and yet it's so easy to skip over that stuff and be like, I have to get to the next yeah. thing. And
1: yeah, exactly.
0: I find that more and more as I grow that just the simple things that we can do really make a huge difference. Exactly.
1: You know, you know, there was a speech at a university of uh, of, a, of a commander of a Navy SEAL commander, mm-hmm. and he started his speech with make your bed. And I mm-hmm. think he wrote a book about that. And it's pretty famous also.
0: Yeah, that, that video was huge. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. When when the first thing you do in the morning is making your bed, it's not to make your bed. It's to accomplish. You you have accomplished something. The mm-hmm. first task is done. You start your day with something that you already did. Yeah. That you already accomplished. And it's so easy. Everybody can make his bed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I have that as a rule. I rarely break the rule. And when I break that rule to make my bed first thing in the morning, usually the day ends up to be chaotic. Yeah. And that's that's quite funny, I think. That's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, it's all mindset building.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It mm-hmm. all feeds into into the into your mindset and in the end, yeah.
0: <sighs> okay, transitioning back to <laughs> where we left off last week. Yes. I think really where we left off was the first time so you had gone through the German military, you had this you were doing um, psychological consulting, which is something that you're picking back up right now. You yep. um, also had this uh, CQB, close quarters combat training uh, yeah. business with a couple of buddies. And yep. then you decide to go to Syria to fight with the YPG. You get there and having gone through the military all the time, you've only done training. You've never been in like a front lines or nope. like a wartime experience. Nope, never. And yet... After finding the book, I always like to like, like break everything down every every time we enter into it. So you get all the way to Syria. We talked about, you know, you're taking selfies. You're still in the, like the mode where you haven't (laughs) fully, you know what I mean? You're still in the, like the mindset of a person who has gone through all the training, but never gotten to use it, so to speak. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So, and then we talked about like, how some of the organizational stuff in the YPG—they were trying to keep foreigners off the front lines, uh, yes. unless they really, really wanted it—and you wanted it, so you would go to them and say, "Hey, man, why am I sitting around still? Like, let's let's get this moving.
1: Let, let, let's do shit. Yeah, let's do shit. Yeah. And my team, my team was the same. Like,
0: I'm I'm here for a yeah, reason.
1: Exactly. My team was the same. My 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 first team was an assault team, and they were amazing guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can you can see all of them in in the documentary. Um, it's called Road to uh, mm-hmm. It was made by, R- by RT television, by Russian television. And it's, it's, it's amazing because there was no, it wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. Like we were sitting around in this compound and one day we decided to, to visit our buddies, um, four other guys that we were together with in the academy and in the safe house in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So we went up to them and they weren't there. But their Kurdish commander told us, "Oh, they're in the women base," and we're like, "What? There's a women base? Okay, cool. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's 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 go there. Let's go there." And there was a female, there was a woman, and she was from uh, damn, I think Denmark or Sweden. No, she was Swedish. She was from Sweden, and so we started talking, and it was quite it was quite nice. And so there was this this documentary team, uh, a man and a woman, and they were nice, and they were. Making some piece uh, about uh, the female fighter from Sweden, mm-hmm. and it was nice. I didn't, I didn't go there to be in the media or something. I never had the intention. I was always avoiding reporters and journalists and stuff and photographers. I was always avoiding those kind of people. But those two were so cool, and they were like, "Oh, nice, you're a sniper. That's that's cool." Blah blah blah. And the guy was the guy was pretty cool, and they were a couple. They were married. And no, oh, interesting. Uh, so he. he he, he was like, well, what do you think about me coming with you and, and making some, some videos and some pictures uh, in the night when you, when you go out fighting? And I was like, dude, are you sure you, you want to have that risk? Because where we go, there's a lot of action. And he was like, yeah, sure, let's go. Hmm. And so I took him with me. <laughs> we wow. needed permission from the commander, but he got it and off we went. Um, a whole night he was with me and the next day When everybody was sleeping, I was still awake Mm -hmm. because, yeah, it's just like I I, I can't sleep. I can't sleep on the front line. It's it's pretty hard.
0: But so this is the first time that you were on the front line or you had already been on the front line before this excursion with this journalist.
1: So the last time we left off with the first time I was at the front line Mm -hmm. and they were dropping us off in the middle of the night. Nothing to see. You only hear shots, fire, fire in the in the well let's say 100 meters away 50 mm-hmm. meters away I don't know and it's it's gunfire and a lot of shooting explosions shit like this and you're there in the darkness there's nothing you can see you cannot see your own hand in front of you and you have to wait your commander the commander told us to wait until he yeah. comes back with the next with the next group of people and so the next group of people comes back and I have only one one weapon and that is a 10 round dragunov sniper rifle Mm-hmm. which is first of all pretty old and second of all has only 10 rounds in the magazine. I mean, it's great for a sniper rifle, but we are in close combat right now. So yeah,
0: it's the wrong tool.
1: That was yeah, it's the wrong tool for that kind of job. And I was I was scared because that was the first time I was in actual combat. Mm-hmm. And now you know, now you know it's time. Now you can die any any minute, any second.
0: You, you talked about how you're standing there in the street and there are a bunch of people around you and you're kind of sure. waiting to get assigned and figure out what's going on. And one of the yeah, finally, one of the commanders is like, oh, no, no, you're coming with
1: us. Exactly. Jump on this truck.
0: You're standing in, and you can hear gunfire everywhere. And I'm assuming like, you know, you don't really know how close it is. So are you looking at the faces of the other guys to judge like like how
1: there is? There is no faces to look at. I cannot see where the other guys are.
0: Are you just bumping into them?
1: That's the problem. Well, you just stand next to each other and you talk. You talk like, dude, this is really weird. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Um, I can imagine this is hard to, 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 to realize for people, but, but like it's really, really dark. It's in the middle of the night. Um, there's no flashlights because flashlights are forbidden. Uh, you have no night vision. Usually the snipers have night vision or at least or or a thermal scope which is much better Mm -hmm. and so yeah i didn't i was a sniper in my group i was supposed to be the one seeing in the night but since they don't give foreigners really nice equipment um i didn't so everybody now we're waiting there and everybody's asking me do you see something and i'm like what am i supposed to see i have no night vision that's like there's nothing i can see i see what you see i see what you see and that is that is nothing and um the arab guys the kurdish the the kurds and arabs they are always asking me they're always asking robin robin in kurdish what do you see and i'm like nothing (laughs) so it's like i'm the one supposed to, to oversee the group and then the commander arrived with the next group of people and we started walking and we started walking through these alleys. And you can see a little bit because of the moon. And still, you cannot see anything in the windows. You have no idea if there's going to be an ambush from the windows or not. And we come to this crossroad. And some, some, guys, some guys cross. They run. And I'm standing at the crossroads ready to run. And I just hear a shot. And mm. zoom, right next to my head. And I freeze for a second. I'm like, fuck, somebody's shooting at me. So I go back. I go around the corner, back around the corner and, and, and hide basically from the shot from, mm-hmm. from the enemy sniper who was obviously trying to, to kill me. And that was the first time when somebody tried to shoot at me. And even though my heart was pounding, it was different. It was a different feeling that I thought it would be because I didn't feel so much fear I felt more worried for the group to be alone without a sniper, and that was quite that was quite weird. Hmm. So I was scared, obviously, but I I was not so scared about myself. I was more scared about the actual uh, group being alone and not having a sniper anymore in the team. So that was quite yeah, hmm. that's quite weird.
0: It's an interesting thing because I feel like the couple experiences that I've had. Being near live fire that could accidentally go in my direction, or like you know <laughs> I've been in, yeah. in in riots, I've had like a Molotov cocktail thrown over my head as I was like taking pictures oh, <laughs> like, yeah but there's this thing where and maybe it has something to do with holding a camera where mm-hmm. you kind of take for granted the actual amount of danger that's happening, yes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this person is just doing that, and and there's also a strange order to things that I've noticed. I mean, did you start to feel that way, or like, how do you? You have to like turn up the right sensitivities, I guess, is what I always kind of surmised and experienced a little bit. But can you talk about that?
1: I'm not. I'm not quite sure if I follow you. If I don't know what you so mean. So like.
0: I mean, you hear like a above you, you know, that's a bullet, Yeah, but and it was pretty close. How concerned, you know, like, like, okay, back up. And then the first time it happens, you're like, holy shit, holy shit. But then is there like, do you get desensitized to that? Yeah. How do you yeah, keep definitely. your response, you know, matrix working in a way that isn't, mm, I got you. you know, that is disciplined?
1: I got you. Well, basically, you you still have to do your job, right? So mm-hmm. you still have to keep going. You cannot you cannot crouch in the corner and be like, oh my God, they're shooting at me. No, you have to be a soldier. And I was a soldier in this moment. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the def- defining moments, I think, for the rest of the Raqqa campaign, for the rest of the war. Because this moment for me was showing me, okay, I can handle that. It's okay. It was, it was scary, but I can handle it. It's okay. People mm-hmm. are shooting at me. It's part of the war. Um, I'm going to shoot back at some point. And yeah, I just couldn't see him. Because he had because ISIS had night vision and I didn't. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's kind was quite uh quite quite not funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah, That's I was then I was just Yeah, then I was running running across the street. And um then my commander told me like, okay, you're gonna separate from the group. I'm like, what? Why? That's my group. That's my I'm the commander of this group. Why do you? I'm the team leader. Why do you separate me from my group? And he's like, well, we need you to oversee the the actual operation from a better perspective, from a better point. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I get that. So I have to support my team as a sniper from the uh, from the from the above position. Okay, and so we went in this house, and you could hear the fire, the gunfire, like 20 meters away, just around the corner. And I didn't know if they would enter this building or not. So I stand at the front gate with my rifle while everybody else is going inside. I don't know why I felt this responsibility to be the one waiting for everybody else to be inside before I go inside myself. Mm. But it was just just, just training kicking in. Mm. It was just training kicking in basically. And um, yeah, then we're inside hearing the gunfire just outside the window, hearing RPGs hitting hitting buildings, explosions going off. And we had to wait there for 20 minutes. And everybody seemed so relaxed. Hmm. Like all the Kurds, all the Arab guys, they seemed so relaxed and so like, oh yeah, everything's cool. Some started to eat. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> There's gunfire outside the window and you start to eat meat now, canned meat. The fuck? And um, yeah, some of them were laughing, making fun. And I was just like, what the hell? And you adapted this really fast. You adapt to the style of style of life really fast. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's quite funny. I couldn't eat at that moment, but, um, yeah, I was just waiting. And I was just, just keep exploring the house in case something happens so I know the geometry of the house, the architecture, and where to escape, where to, where to uh, seek cover and stuff. And nobody did that. Nobody gave a shit. <laughs>
0: Is there a plan for this, like, this excursion to the front lines? I mean... Are you guys just trying to clear a certain area or what's the, what's the goal of this?
1: Yes. Well, the goal is to make advances to, uh, on the front line, obviously. So that means mm-hmm. the commanders make some kind of plan where they say, okay, this is where we're going. Um, this is the area that we want to take within the next few days. And the advances are very slow. So it, it's possible that you take 10 meters that day or that night yes. because fights are usually in the night. Um, it is possible that you take 50 meters or 100 meters, and it's also possible that you have to fall back. Mm-hmm. And so anything can happen. In that night, we did not make any advances, and we didn't fall back. So we were still in this house, and the Kurds the were eating and were having fun, and I was like, wow, okay, that's weird and crazy and...
0: These guys are a lot more used to this than you at this point. Yeah,
1: definitely, 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 yeah. Uh, more used to this than all of us were mm-hmm. at this point because we were all fresh out of the academy. One of the guys had military experience. The other two guys didn't. Mm. And I could I could tell because they were scared. And I was the guy in charge. I was their team leader. So I had to take care of them. I had to make sure that nobody is in a bad mood, nobody is freezing. Uh, and freezing mean, doesn't mean... Because it's cold, it means freezing in terms of, like, being stuck, being, like, in in, in so much stress that they cannot move anymore. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, that was my responsibility at that moment, and I made sure that everybody's okay. I was talking to to my team, saying, like, you're good, and they were all good, and everything was fine. Everything was really solid at this point for some reason, and I was proud. I have to say that I was proud, and, um... Yeah, so we were we were going to uh, upstairs, and then I was placed there to oversee the operation. There was a fence, and there was like I was placed at that fence with only Arab guys, so no Kurds. The Kurdish I was speaking was useless because they only spoke Arab and Arabic, uh, mm. and I. I. Learned a little bit of Arabic, but not really a lot. So I couldn't understand what they were saying. I just understood that the commander of the Arab unit was not happy to be, have a sniper there. He wanted mm. to have a guy with a machine gun and not use not a sniper. <laughs> and yeah, he, he changed his mind over the night. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
0: So what floor? You're on a rooftop at this point or what floor? No,
1: no, no. That's exactly the point. I'm on the second. I'm on the first or on the second floor. Um, and I I asked to go on the rooftop because I can see much better, and everybody's mm. saying, no, no, you cannot go there. It's too dangerous. And I'm like, well, dude, like, I'm the sniper. I'm supposed to go there and do my job over there, but they wouldn't let me. They would just say, no, no, it's, it's, it's too dangerous, and um, I mean, it's not like I couldn't have taken a blanket or something, put it over my head, and then sneak up there in like 20 minutes and... Not be seen by the enemy at all, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't want that. They they didn't understand that I'm a professional, and they didn't. They thought I'm a, I'm a stupid foreigner that tries to kill himself.
0: He's gonna walk up there with his cell
1: phone out. Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. and so okay, good. So I'm there. My team is going on on their mission. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see them the whole night. Uh, only at the end of the night when we were joining up back together, and. So, I'm there looking at this. It's basically a field full of trash. A field full of old trucks, old cars, mm. um, metal metal trash, all this kind of stuff. And all I know is that there's a sniper inside of this field shooting at our, at our cars that try to pass all the time. Mm. And the problem is he seems to have some kind... It's not a silencer, but... It's some kind of, of muzzle flash hider that hides mm-hmm. the muzzle flash. So I cannot see it. I cannot see when he's shooting. I cannot see where he's shooting from. And so there's this, this fight going on between him and me where he realizes there's a sniper on on this fence in the second floor of this building. And he's shooting at me some, sometimes.
0: Directly at you?
1: Yes, directly me. Uh, because he realizes that there's another sniper trying to kill him. That's at least what I think, and so yeah, he's shooting at the cars, he's shooting at me, and but the most of the night, everything's quiet, except one time when there's a huge airstrike going on, like hundred meters in front of me, huge explosion, and I just think like, oh my fucking god, it's like in a movie, damn, wow, and yeah, everything everything starts to burn, you just see this these this smoke, um these huge smoke clouds in the, in the in the distance and that there's a whole line of fire and you hear shots and stuff going on and RPGs hitting. But I'm too far away from that. I'm still in this position too too far away, not having night vision, so not being able to actually see anything. Hmm. And so just this other sniper, I just tried to get this other sniper. So at one point I say to the guys, hey, find me a blanket, find me a couple of blankets. So we can put them over the fence. So the sniper does not see what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they find sheets, they find some blankets, and we put them over there. Um, gladly, the sniper didn't see that at that moment and didn't fire at us. Um, yeah. So now, f- for the first time, I'm actually having cover or concealment, at least, um, to, to not be seen.
0: So you're looking through a window at this point. Is that the deal? or
1: I, No, I'm looking through a fence. I'm outside. I'm looking. You're like in the fence.
0: backyard of this house or whatever.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And I'm looking through this fence and now I look through the small hole that we make with, uh, through the sheets mm-hmm. and have my rifle stick through it. And I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. He's shooting. I cannot shoot because I cannot see him. And some, some more, some more cars pass by. I, I hear him shooting. I see that he's hitting the windows of the car. Oh, wow. But I cannot do anything, right? I try to shoot at several positions where I think he is, but he's keeping he's keeping on shooting. So it's almost the end of the night. And I, fi- I, I just change my magazine. I fire one more round. And he's firing back.
0: Directly at you.
1: Directly at me. And for the first time, I see the muzzle flash. hmm for the first time, I see this muzzle flash going off, and I just—I'm—I I'm, don't know if I should be proud of that or or not, but I just empty my whole magazine in that direction, like doof, 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 doof. I just empty my whole magazine in, the, in in that direction. Like immediately, where I was seeing the muzzle flash. Yes, immediately. I see the muzzle flash, and I'm just like doof, 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 doof. empty my whole, whole empty the, the whole magazine, the, the the whole last nine rounds mm-hmm. onto that place. And it's not very sniper sniper-ish, but at that point I was so desperate that I just wanted to I just wanted to kill him because he killed a couple of our guys mm-hmm. in that night. Oh wow. And I just wanted I just wanted that guy to be gone. Right? So now there's silence.
0: to be continued on the next episode of Good Treason. Thank you for sticking with us. Check us out on goodtreason.com, Facebook, Reddit, and all that good stuff. This is Scott Meyer for Springline Media.